Marriage in Today's World. Today we are joined by authors and speakers Jeff and Shante Feldhahn to tackle two hot topics in marriage, intimacy and money. Shante talks about her two latest books, the newly released Secrets of Sex and Marriage and Thriving in Love and Money. Jeff and Shante reveal findings from their marriage intimacy project and highlight key misconceptions and myths about both intimacy and money. You can learn practical tips for talking openly and honestly about hopes, expectations, and desires to set yourself up for a healthy marriage. Visit marriageintodaysworld.com to view all the resources mentioned during this episode. And now, your host, Pam Beadle, Community Relations Support Staff Member for Marriage Encounter Support Foundation. Well, welcome to Jeff and Shanti Feldhahn. Um, you guys are going to love speaking with them today. I'm excited for you to get to meet them. So we will jump right to it and have um, Jeff and Shanti tell us a little bit about yourselves. Why don't you take Do you want take me to go lead? first? <laughs> so we are actually social researchers um, on relationships, and it it comes as a bit of a surprise to us that we're in this space because we didn't start out in the normal way mm. that when you have somebody talking about relationships, it's usually a therapist or mm. a pastor or a counselor. And we actually, that is so not us. We actually come from an analytical background. So mm. Jeff is an attorney. I started out as an analyst on Wall Street. And now we're actually using that kind of that analytical background, mm-hmm. that analytical experience mm-hmm. to help people understand one another. And, and really what it is, is we just have learned how to ask questions. Mm-hmm. Why is this the case? I mean, it really started with her asking questions. Why does Jeff act like this? <laughs> and she was perplexed. And so she went about interviewing a bunch of guys and found that they acted a lot like Jeff and right. thought a lot like Jeff, which she couldn't believe, nor could any of the women that were sitting there along with her. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, that's amazing. It's so great that you use the way you're wired and all of your background and experiences and in, in apply it to relationships so that we can all learn from that. Um, how long have you guys been married? 28 years. I was going to say that. Yeah, you were. I knew it. I knew it it quickly. Absolutely. Great. Great. And outside of that, what kinds of your, your work, what kinds of things do you guys enjoy doing? Outside of work? Well, we love hanging out with our kids Mm. who have rudely gone to college, which, you know, Mm -hmm. I know is like technically what's supposed Mm -hmm. to happen, but. Well, and, and honestly, because we both, um, I'm I'm kind of a startup guy, so mm-hmm. I'm involved in the technology startup scene, but we both work from home. And while you might get mm-hmm. lots of advice from counselors, therapists that say never, ever, ever work together with your spouse, mm-hmm. it's worked for us. Great. Well, I mean, there have been bumps in the road, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you yeah. know, hurt feelings, all of those <laughs> sorts of things. But we just that's really outside of our work. It's kind of like everything is around this. Around the ministry. It really is. Great. That's a, that's awesome. Um, well, you've tackled two um, tough topics in marriage, um, <laughs> sex and money. And so today we're going to attempt to talk about both of those Um and you have a, a new book out, Shanti, um, that you have co-authored um, 
called Secrets of Sex and Marriage. And so we want to talk about that one first. Um, Jeff, we know that you uh, played into a lot of the research and all of the support um, for writing the book. So we certainly want to hear from you as well. Um, You say that one thing you found was the importance of communication about intimacy in marriage. Um, So a lot of people kind of shy away from speaking (laughs) about intimacy in marriage. So why is that important? And I love give some of the stats too. Yeah, exactly. Actually, it is so funny. And we're going to make this a a PG slash G rated conversation. So um, that you don't have to worry about having kids in the car or whatever while you're listening mm-hmm. to this. Um, but here's here's the the sort of starting point for this. We couldn't talk about this topic mm-hmm. either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like or, we, or the money topic. Or the right. money topic. Right. Like mm-hmm. a lot of couples candidly can't. We actually found that, and because I know we want to talk about money next. Do you mind if I give both? Yeah, go for uh, it. The numbers. Yeah. So we found that 77% of couples can't talk about money well, Mm. and 73% of couples can't talk about intimacy well. Mm. And it's the thing that is so interesting on both of these is that these topics are such a, you know, kind of a a standard issue Mm -hmm. in marriage, Mm -hmm. right? Like everybody deals with issues around intimacy. Everybody deals with issues around money. And And so these are two of the topics that is most important to talk about. And we found that if you do talk about them, that it really dramatically improves your relationship. And yet these are two of the topics that we have the most difficult time talking about. It's just very ironic. It it is. And, And oftentimes what we hear out there, you know, in the advice world for all for both of these topics is they jump directly to the technical issues. Mm -hmm. You know, if this is happening in your finances, then here's how you solve it. Here's Mm -hmm. the steps you take. If this is happening in your intimate life, wrap yourself in cellophane Mm -hmm. cellophane, and meet your spouse (laughs) at the door, whatever the, the, the advice is. And there's something a step one way before any of that. Mm -hmm. And it is the communication Mm -hmm. side of it. But how can you talk about something if you don't really understand it yourself, Mm -hmm. what's going on inside of you? Well, so that's kind of what the research was getting at. Getting at. And that's, and that's really the issue for anyone who's listening to this to be aware of is that we found with both of these topics, when you're having tension, for example, around money, it's not about the money. Mm -hmm. It's about all this stuff that's running under the surface. It's how money makes you feel Mm -hmm. and how it makes your spouse feel. And these expectations you bring to the table and your these worries and insecurities and all these other things running under the surface. And it's exactly the same way with intimacy. Mm-hmm. When you're having tension on this topic, it's easy to think that what you need is a, a sex manual. Like mm-hmm. You need a book on technique. No, actually, in most of the cases, when you talk about you just need to communicate and people are like, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what you want me to do. Well, actually, what we found, and this was for us as much as it was for anybody else, is that the key is understanding all that stuff under the surface. And that's what you communicate about. Mm -hmm. It's not about the technical issues, usually. It's truly about all this other stuff. And sometimes these myths, especially in the intimacy topic, these myths and misunderstandings that are just getting in the way. And once you actually surface them, 
and have a conversation about them, it it actually can change a lot right there. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think your book does an excellent job of guiding us through that, um, addressing the myths, like you said. Um, you also mentioned uh, that creating a great marriage in intimacy actually starts with what happens in our mind um, rather than the physical, which is what you've been talking about, yeah. not the technical. So tell us a little bit more about that. What does it mean that it starts in the mind um, a little bit beyond what you've been talking about already? So one of the most um, foundational pieces of the puzzle, let's just put it that mm -hmm. way, is that it is really easy when all that stuff that we're talking about that's running under the surface, mm -hmm. it is really easy to believe something about your spouse that isn't actually true. Mm -hmm. And so, for example, using one of the most common sort of pain points for couples where one one spouse wants more than the other, right? One mm -hmm. spouse wants to engage in intimacy mm -hmm. more than the other. And that's like sort of at the most baseline, 79% of couples had that. And so that's a, that's a yes. big deal. Yes. And it is very easy for the spouse that's kind of feeling sad or feeling a little bit disconnected, wanting more of that connection, it's really easy for that spouse to sort of subconsciously go, well, I must not be desirable mm -hmm. to my spouse, you know, whether it's the husband or the wife, I, there must be something wrong. Or maybe this person has a porn issue, or maybe, you know, I'm, I'm too overweight, or maybe like, mm -hmm. it, you get all this stuff in your head. And what happens when we talk about what happens in your mind what we mean is you have to actually take a step back and realize in most cases, what you're believing is totally wrong. Mm -hmm. Like it's usually not these negative ideas that you've built up. And it's really crucial in most marriages now, not a hundred percent, but in most marriages to practice believing the best mm -hmm. of your spouse's intentions towards you. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of the classic, oh, my husband is working all these hours because he doesn't care about me, you know, mm -hmm. as and he doesn't want to be with me and the kids as opposed to wait, actually, no, he's working all these hours because he cares about you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he's feeling this financial pressure. It's kind of that same mm -hmm. concept in the bedroom. And and we should point out that all of this was just not our opinions. Right. <laughs> it was just no, it was it was that. all about the research. And on this intimacy topic, we had a co-author on this mm -hmm. book, and it's Dr. Michael Seitzma. And he is nationally known mm -hmm. as a Christian marriage um intimacy sex therapist, been practicing for 35 years in this area. He's a good man. Mm -hmm. We realized that as we were embarking on this topic that we don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> and, and and with it, if we come up with something without the right understanding, we could do damage mm. in couples' lives. Mm. So, you know, here's a guy who mm. knows all the all the scientific uh, background and mm. studies and all of that stuff. Plus, he was just he was a great guy. He's a pastor also. Mm. So he brings that heart mm -hmm. to everything that we found. Well, and the key, when you talk about sort of, it starts with what happens in your mind, not what happens in the bedroom. Mm -hmm. He was actually the first one who said just how central that was mm -hmm. from what he'd seen in his practice, mm -hmm. as Jeff said, for years and years and years. And then when we did the surveys, we've, we've seen in previous studies, mm -hmm. and certainly in this one, 
that that is absolutely essential. And so that's one, that's actually one of the biggest lessons for anybody who's listening to this is, is really try to stop some of those negative assumptions Mm -hmm. about how your spouse feels about you, because it's probably not true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. And we certainly appreciate your wisdom. Um, that comes from the research that's uh that it's not your opinion you're just taking all of that and wrapping it up for us in the book um so that we can apply it in our marriages um and then you talked a little bit about um when we are when we're on a different page so to speak with disconnection so um it's easy to assume that because one person has a higher drive than the other something doesn't seem like it can change but you say that <laughs> something else might actually be true in that situation. You want to talk about that? Yes, that was very delicately put, Pam. I love <laughs> how you danced around that. that was you gave, me, you gave can... us that, that PG rating there. So Exactly. <laughs> Let me see if I can do the same in the answer to this one. So um, the the reality often is, and this is, this is certainly the case for me. This is certainly the case for most of us. When we have that disconnect where some per, one person wants more than the other. And, and and I should point out the research, some of the myths that we'd always mm-hmm. heard was mm-hmm. that, you know, that's always the guy. Mm-hmm. And that isn't the isn't case. Always the case. What, what were the actual numbers? It was. I think it was 24% of women mm-hmm. were the ones who actually had the higher mm-hmm. drive. So not an insignificant number. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, yeah, you're talking about one out of every four. Right. You know, that's a. That's a big number. Which can create for the woman the idea that there must be something wrong with me mm-hmm. or for the guy, there must be something, something wrong, wrong with me. Mm-hmm. So it's it's those myths and those assumptions that can really cause a lot of the unnecessary pain. So back yes. to your explanation of the, what could be going right. on. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the bottom line assumption that we tend to have whenever there's that, that mismatch is that it's just a libido issue, mm-hmm. right? Like one person mm-hmm. is has a higher drive than mm-hmm. the other. And it turns out that could actually be one of the pieces of the puzzle, like we were just talking about. But often there's this other really, really major concept going on that most of us never even heard before, um, which is it turns out there's actually two different types of desire, mm-hmm. It turns out that we've got this concept from watching movies <laughs> that people just like look at each other, they spark, and then they mm-hmm. jump into bed. Mm-hmm. And that's like, you know, that's, that's just the way it should the way it works. Well, <laughs> right. it's just the way it does work, right? right? And and that's where the that's how the feelings work. And it turns out that's the case for a percentage of the population. Mm-hmm. That's called initiating desire. Mm-hmm. But there's actually something called receptive desire in which actually physiologically the body works in exactly the opposite mm-hmm. order, which if you think about it, it's amazing that the human race survived. <laughs> we, have this, we have this exact opposite thing, but the, someone with what's called receptive desire, mm-hmm. actually that process works in reverse where they have to decide to get engaged. They don't have that feeling, that feeling of that spark, like of wanting to jump into bed. Mm -hmm. They have to decide to get engaged. And then once they start actually participating, I'm trying to be Mm -hmm. careful in how I say this, once they actually start that, then the feeling, as long as it's a positive experience, then the feeling Mm -hmm. of desire 
arrives a few minutes later. Mm -hmm. And so maybe what their spouse felt all along from the very beginning, they start feeling five to 10 minutes in. And so that one thing is so like liberating liberating Mm -hmm. because what it means is that there's this enormous percentage of the population. And this is statistically far more likely to be women than men. It's about are are receptive, are receptive. It's about somewhere 75, 76% and 76%. I have to look up the numbers, but it's basically three out of every four women have recept our receptive desire. And we look at the Hollywood ideal Mm-hmm. And we think we're broken. Right. And our spouses think we're broken. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this, but this, and it's not just women, right? There's some men. I think it was about a third mm-hmm. of men were receptive desire. And that tends to be as men get older, mm-hmm. that tends to be mm-hmm. more common. Mm-hmm. And it's really easy to feel either me or my spouse is broken and you're not. It's literally just the way that we've been created. And once you know this, you go, oh my goodness, there's, you just approach the person who has receptive desire. That person needs to be approached way. differently. So yeah. so give, give the stat as far as what are the percentages of couples where both the oh. <laughs> male and female have that initiating desire, which is what we see in the Hollywood the movies. movies. Yeah. So believe it or not, depending on which um, survey question we were mm. looking at, five to 10 percent. Mm of couples are where both people have that initiating mm-hmm. desire, which is what everybody thinks just right. is standard. And 90 to 95%, that's not the mm-hmm. case. So mm-hmm. that's not the standard. Right. And you do an excellent job in your book of just revealing those myths um, that you call them and then replacing it with truth. Um, so it's a, it's a great tool that I hope our listeners will get in their hands. You also give a great encouragement. Um, at the end, you say that we're not as far apart as it might seem. And so I think, I think it's super hopeful. It's super practical um, book. And so thank you for all of your work in Mm. that. And I know that our listeners can definitely uh, benefit. I hope you guys will all get a copy. It's a new book out secrets of sex and marriage. And then we want to talk just briefly about um, your book, Thriving in Love and Money, because as we said, you you tackled two really hot topics um, right there recently for us. And, and it's five game changing insights about your relationship, your money and yourself. Um, I just want to talk about one, maybe, is it's not about the money. You already talked a little bit about that. Um, and we think it's all about the money, the technical aspect. So if it's not about the money, um, what is it? Tell us, um, what is it about then? <laughs> It's all that stuff running under the surface. We mm-hmm. we identified five things that are sort of running under the surface. Um, so when you're having that kind of tension around money, look not at the place that we tend to want to mm-hmm. look, which is, you know, do we have a good budget? Um, are we getting out of debt? What's our insurance like? In, in all good things. Mm-hmm. Right. Like mm-hmm. all that is good. And yet that think of that as like the surface stuff, the technical stuff in order to do that surface, the technical stuff that you can see on Mm -hmm. the surface, how many dollars and cents do we have in the bank account and how much is coming in and going out? um, Take a minute and stop looking at that stuff and go underneath Mm -hmm. that stuff and start looking at these five things 
that are sort of the the what we were talking about. It's kind of the expectations, how people think things should work. Mm-hmm. Some of those fears and, and worries that kind of get you that are underneath the surface. Because unless you can talk about that stuff and understand yourself and how you feel and how money makes you feel and your spouse feel, it's going to be really hard to do a good job of the budget and the dollars and cents Mm -hmm. and the technical stuff on the surface. So one example, just give you Mm -hmm, one, one example of those five is that it, it actually turns out that we, we don't realize when we talk about, when we deal with money, we're not valuing what our spouse Mm -hmm. is valuing. And it's or, or worse. <laughs> I actually just thought Shanti had a character flaw. <laughs> it sounds terrible. After all these years of marital research and everything, that was the story mm-hmm. that so I told, told myself, yourself. you know, when it mm-hmm. came to our um, not fights or disagreements, because we didn't do that. Mm-hmm. But we had an awkwardness and an avoidance mm-hmm. of talking about it. Mm-hmm. And I just assumed that, you know, that's who she is. You know, she's got this wrong way of thinking and I'll just have to work around it. This is just your cross to bear. Exactly. <laughs> and so, well, and it may be your cross to bear. However, <laughs> because and that's the thing. We each have that because and here's the kind of the key point that's sort of hard for some people to grapple with. We know our spouse is a different human, <laughs> right? We know right. that they're a different person. And yet somehow that doesn't translate in our head to to thinking that mm-hmm. what they value may be just as legitimate as what we value. Mm-hmm. And it's especially difficult. And I'm going to maybe poke at some a couple of people mm-hmm. here, if you don't mind. Yeah. <laughs> a couple of <laughs> types of people in, in the listening audience is that it's especially easy for people who are kind of money people. You know, the types Mm -hmm. of people who Mm -hmm. listen to the money advice shows Mm -hmm. or who read those books. Mm -hmm. If you're that type of person, I can almost guarantee that you have one type of value stream. You value saving, you value planning, you value knowing, you know, exactly where all the dollars and cents Mm -hmm. are going. You you value making plans um, significantly ahead and you probably don't like too much flexibility. Mm. You don't like too much spontaneity, like within a box, you're okay with it. Mm. But there's, you know, that sort of there may be a little bit for some people, depending on how far on the spectrum you are, there may be a discomfort with spending. Um, And so one of the things that we found is that there that's an example of two different types of values. There's that type of person. And then there's the person and this is in our relationship, Jeff is more the saver planner. Mm -hmm. And I'm more comfortable with spending, not Mm -hmm. crazy because, you know, we know what our limitations are and what our finances are. Um, But someone who is a little more comfortable with more flexibility, Mm -hmm. who doesn't have to have everything all pinned down Mm -hmm. and who really actually values the ability to have a little more spontaneity. And well, hold on. Can I finish? finish And then I'll jump in. And so, and one of the things that is a really, really common issue in many marriages is one spouse, which tends to be more the saver planner type, Mm -hmm. that value stream. One of the most common questions that anyone in the financial arena gets is how can I get my spouse on the same page? Mm -hmm. 
And maybe there is a need to sort of go, okay, what I mean by that, like acknowledge what I mean by that is how can I get my spouse to think like I do? Right. Mm-hmm. And there's, there is a legitimate ability to disagree, to agree to disagree on some of these things. Mm-hmm. So I heard one person um, say when he was talking about this divide between, you know, the mm-hmm. saver spender and the planner versus mm-hmm. the more spontaneous or flexible, flexible person, mm-hmm. um, there is a difference, a qualitative difference between going, you know, let's say that you want to take your kids to Disney World, but you first say, we need to get out of debt. We need mm-hmm. to do these certain mm-hmm. things before we can do that. Like one of the couples we interviewed Correct. at one of our events. Said this. There is a qualitative difference between taking your child when they're five to Disney World and taking them when they're 14. Mm-hmm. And that to me, all of a sudden opened up like, okay, oh. <laughs> I, I might not have it all buttoned up like I wish I did. But there is some value mm-hmm. in that experience. And, and this is now coming from Before the saver. Out, exactly. <laughs> the saver, plender, spender. Um, I am the saver mm-hmm. and planner. And yet Shanti would always say, but we have a good God mm-hmm. who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Mm-hmm. And he has consistently taken care of us. Not that that advocates irresponsibility mm-hmm. with finances, mm-hmm. but there is something that I just had not valued among about her, her approach. Yeah. Thank you so much. That really um, makes us look differently about money um, and the way that we communicate that with our spouse and the way that we understand our spouse, um, their insecurities, their fears, um, all of that really plays into that. And you speak to that in your book. Um, So for both of these books, um, would why would you recommend that married couples read them together and maybe in the same breath? Um, what if only one spouse wants to? Is it still worth it? Um, how would we navigate that? Give us some practical ideas around that. Yeah, well, the one of the most basic things that we always suggest, and it's certainly the case with these two books, is definitely if you can read them together mm-hmm. and stop and talk along the way or Actually read it separately if you want to and highlight and make notes mm-hmm. on the stuff that applies to you. Mm-hmm. Because it'll basically be when your spouse reads it with your notes in it, you're giving them a personalized tour mm-hmm. into your heart and mind in this particular area. And then they do the same thing for you. Mm-hmm. And so either of those two methods work really well as a way of kind of diving into that underneath the surface mm-hmm. stuff that mm-hmm. we were talking mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that's really delightful about this whole topic is that both of these sort of subjects um, are because they're the things that we don't normally talk about. Once we start talking about them, oh my gosh, mm. it so increases your connection mm. and so increases your oneness and your ability to, like the intimacy between the two of you just in that mm-hmm. conversation. And, and, and exactly. And you you asked the question, what if only one spouse is willing to do that? Well, do that mm-hmm. because then you're learning some things that you didn't otherwise know or mm-hmm. might apply to your spouse. And then when you ask questions in mm-hmm. a non-threatening way, you can say, you know, I read about this. Mm-hmm. Is, right. Does this would this explain to something you? to you about you mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of stuff? And it can lead them then 
to wanting to read it the, yeah. themselves. Well, and even if they don't, all and almost all, like we've done now 12 nationally representative studies over the mm-hmm. years, almost 20 years. And almost all of them, there's a couple little exceptions. M- most of what matters, matters if only one person tackles mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And if only one person does the work to try to understand and get inside the head of and the heart mm-hmm. of their spouse. And then most of the time, and this is empirically, we've, mm-hmm. we've empirically tested this in a couple of different studies. Most of the time when you start doing that, it softens their heart. Mm-hmm. And so then they want to reciprocate. It doesn't mm-hmm. always work that way. And, and we have most and we time. have to give the necessary caveat. And, you know, I'm a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Um, is that you know if you are in an abusive relationship, oh, well, then yeah. that's the that's the right. outlier, and that's the one where you need professional right. help. And, you know. Yeah, so, I appreciate you saying yeah, that. Yeah, and Jeff. that's not just a caveat. That's important. It, to exactly. Say. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think what I appreciate about your book is it gives us the words to use. So we already know that these are two topics that are difficult to talk about and to communicate with. And and by reading the book, you've given us the words um, to say and to the questions to ask. And so um, it's a great tool. Again, um, I really appreciate that you've done the hard work for us and we can read and say, hey, did you know 75% of the people feel this way? Do you feel this way? Um, what do you think about this? Um, I read this in a book. So those are all excellent mm-hmm. lead-ins. So thank you for that tip. Um, so as we close out today, we usually close our podcast by asking our guests a question about you personally in your marriage. You can answer it individually or together, but we like to know how do you personally keep the spark alive in your marriage? So any little tip, um, big or small, um, what do you do? Um, You've got lots of years under your belt. So how do you keep that spark alive? Well, okay, you're you're having a problem here and that you're asking researchers who actually <laughs> studied that question. <laughs> hey, so, well, I'm sure we have people who think like you in our audience. So <laughs> So actually one of the things that we studied and we had done a, a study for our book, The Surprising Secrets of Highly Happy Marriages. Mm. And one of the things that we found that's this like tiny little thing, you wouldn't think it matters so much, but it's huge which is that the happiest couples we found just, they just hang out mm-hmm. with each other. It's some, some of them do date nights. Some mm-hmm. of them do a hobby together. Um, some of it's, it just sort of depends on mm-hmm. whatever is with them. And so for, for Jeff and I, um, we started being much more purposeful mm-hmm. about, this is going to sound really crazy, but we, we just have coffee in the mornings mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. Like it's kind of, and a lot of couples may know there's this rush, rush, rush. You get the kids out the door mm-hmm to school. And then Jeff and I both work from home. And so we have some flexibility, We have a little bit of flexibility. Mm -hmm. And so we will just sit and like, okay, kids out the door, done Mm -hmm. whatever things aren't starting until whatever time when I have my first meeting, and we'll just sit and have coffee and read the news or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it may not be any big conversation just, hey, did you see what happened overnight in the whatever Mm -hmm. international thing that just Mm -hmm. (laughs) happened? Um, but that kind of togetherness, just literally hanging out, has been mm. really powerful for mm. us. Exactly. No, that's exactly what mm-hmm. I would have said. Mm-hmm. Also, Pam. and hey, that's good news for our listeners because sometimes, again, we have that myth that it needs to be something grand. Um, and yep. and you nope. personally confirm, and your research confirms for us that yep. no need. 
And that's the that's the great thing that we've learned from the research is that all of these things that I say we've uncovered that were hidden in plain sight are all attainable by all of us. Mm -hmm. If we put in a little effort and understanding, you can get these things. It's not rocket science. You you can get there. Yeah. And that's hopeful. It is very hopeful. Hopeful and encouraging. So if our listeners want to find you, um, I know that you have lots of books and you also are wonderful speakers. Um, Where can they connect with you? So go to the easiest place is to go to Shanti.com, S-H-A-U-N-T-I.com. Okay. And we will list that for you um, on our show notes as well. So thank you again. We've enjoyed the conversation. It's been um, super lovely to chat with you. Thank Uh, you. you, Thanks, Kim. Today was Pam Beetle. Special guests were Jeff and Shante Feldheim. Marriage in Today's World is produced by Austin Newton and Pam Beetle. This episode was recorded at the UME International Office in Muscatine, Iowa, and the Feldhans joined us via Zoom. For more resources on this and other episodes, visit us at marriageintodaysworld.com. Marriage in Today's World is a podcast ministry of United Marriage Encounter. Strengthen your marriage today at unitedmarriage.com.